0: welcome everyone to this episode of green talks we are back to talk about research on clean and affordable energy especially to discuss developments on the use of solar energy did you realize that each and every green talks episode covers sustainable development goals set by the un well tell us which one I'm Thomas Seche, your Bill of host, once again from Green Hub Twente, and we are continuing our podcast with a very special guest. Although we have already introduced her topic in our very first episode with Julian Schmitz, now it's time to explore the photovoltaic cells more in depth as a topic related to the seventh SDG goal. So please give it up for our innovator entrepreneur professor, Dr. Rebecca Saev.
1: Thanks a lot for this very nice introduction, and thanks for having me
0: here. Yeah, thanks for accepting the uh, invitation as well. It's really great to have you around here. So would you mind giving us a short background introduction about yourself, your studies, and uh, why you're really here?
1: OK, so um, maybe the surprising part first. I'm originally from Germany, which many people um, have a hard time to believe. But I grew up there. I um, did, uh, I studied there, I actually I my, what, you nowadays would call kind of bachelor's degree in uh, University of Mainz then I went to Technical University of Munich I studied there did my what is nowadays master's degree there in physics and then I moved to Heidelberg and I did my PhD in, in Heidelberg and then in 2014 no that's not true in and 14, I graduated with my PhD. You see, I'm, I'm forgetting everything. <laughs> and I moved to beautiful California. And I started a <laughs> postdoc there. Oh, don't tell me about it. Um, I started a postdoc there at the California Institute of Technology, Caltech, with Professor Harry Atwater. And I stayed there for four years. So from 2014 mm-hmm. to 2018. And then at the beginning of 2018, I came here to the University of Twente and in uh yeah in between of like doing all this academic let's say career path i also started uh, co-founded i should say um, with two other um, colleagues i co-founded a startup etc solar that was in 2017 just before coming to 20.
0: damn many things in the last century jesus (laughs) so um yeah yeah i still cannot uh, understand why you would give up california with its nice weather for the netherlands but uh you will have to answer that later i guess so um yeah what what a journey from germany to los angeles and now to Twente. so yeah i can i can feel the energy in all of this and uh yeah it's coming over here as well so but before we all go photovoltaic let me ask you what is your most unsustainable guilty pleasure
1: so maybe one that you haven't heard yet, I don't know, but Perhaps. I, <laughs> I own two horses, so I have uh, two big animals that I only own for my pleasure and... um yeah, I think that's a fairly unsustainable thing to do.
0: Yeah, and not riding them to university instead of a well, car. I, I,
1: I take my bike to the university, so at least that.
0: Yeah, you cannot would... be more carbon neutral than that. Right. <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely something we haven't heard before. So yeah, what, what is the name of the horses, by the way?
1: Sandora is one yeah. horse and Lordana is the other Lordana. horse. Both okay. beautiful mares.
0: Oh my God, I want to yeah. see a picture later. <laughs> so, but um, yeah. We know that your dream is to make solar cells that are more efficient than ever before. Let's start with why. Why is that, why, why, why is that your mission?
1: Well, because solar energy is the one energy that we get on Earth, of which we have plenty full, and it's mm-hmm. completely clean, it's renewable, within approximately one hour the sun gives us actually the energy that we need in order to sustain our whole energy consumption for a full year so it's like wow. an immense energy source there's no other energy source on earth that can provide that mm-hmm. and um so now the thing is that we need to somehow convert this energy into something that's useful and um already you know um, early on as a child I've, I've always been very keen on protecting the environment and i've uh, never liked the idea that we are taking out fossil fuels out of the ground that we are Mm -hmm. like permanently altering the one earth that has given us the possibility to actually sustain not only our human's life but the the life of all mammals and um and potentially also other plants and animals and so forth right and so i've always thought that that's just the wrong thing that we do this and on the other hand we have this infinite on at least human scales infinite energy source in the sky and we should really really use it and using it in the most efficient way is what will enable to really have that be our like major um, source of energy and so yeah that's why that's my mission
0: yeah it's, it's definitely a breakthrough and and just wow it's really it's crazy to see someone Having that motivation in childhood and just bringing it to life and and it's really your driver if i get it correctly to now just make our society more sustainable
1: well that that of course on one hand right on the other hand it's really cool physics that's involved <laughs> <laughs> and i'm also you know a scientist yeah. nerd so yeah, it's yeah, yeah. pretty cool to combine these two things
0: yeah yeah I'm, I'm curious to hear about that as well um but yeah we're talking about sustainability as well in this podcast so what is what role does sustainability have in your story
1: well i kind of already started hinting at that is that i have always been very fond of protecting our earth the way it is i wouldn't mm-hmm. say that i was an activist or something that's not quite true but it's certainly something already as a child i was always very aware of that i really enjoyed nature. i've always very much enjoyed nature animals and so forth and i've always felt like i want to protect this and of course you know the whole debate about climate change and so forth has changed quite a lot even through my lifetime um in the past 35 years or so there have been a lot Mm -hmm. of changes in what we think are the biggest issues in terms of environment protection and so forth but i for me it was always something that was in the top of my mind that i want to protect our environment and that is, of course, th- there There have been different challenges from mm-hmm, pollution, mm-hmm. from climate change, ozone hole, and so forth, right? And um, so, for me, this whole subject, sustainability, includes all of this, that we are trying to keep our earth in a livable and, and healthy state.
0: Yeah. yeah, so really, just the change in sustainable policymaking just reassured you that I'm on the right track.
1: Well, it's not so much that I would say... Uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that the policies reassured me. I think I was reassured about that this is the way to go mm-hmm. already as a child. I, th- mm-hmm. I always thought we have to protect our earth it's just that what does that mean you know when i was a child some people still thought that maybe our earth is even becoming colder right it's a rather yeah. like recent thing that really know now it's becoming warmer and um and so things like that is something that i wasn't so aware of as, uh, of as a child mm-hmm. but i was already quite aware of that it's just wrong to dig out huge holes you know i'm from germany yeah. they have like giant craters in germany they're altering complete landscapes they're removing people from where they live because they found coal underneath Mm -hmm. it's complete insanity and already as a child we learned about this and already in school i thought this is this is insanity why do you tell people that they have to move in order to dig up the coal that's underneath
0: no it's it's completely unbelievable that
1: that always seemed crazy to me and then you make these craters out of, of out of this landscape and you remove all the nice nature or you like Forests, very old forests, and, and all this uh, all this stuff, yeah. it always seemed wrong to me, and so that's why I always thought we somehow have to stop and change that.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know that. Actually, there was just recently also like an activist gathering in Germany for this. I had a few of my colleagues there yeah. as well, and I was just watching the videos and, and pictures that they posted, and and I was I wasn't gonna believe. Yeah, but yeah, there is definitely much to be to be changed and to be challenged as well. But um, let's, let's focus now on what clean energy is and what you're, you are really doing with it. So explain us, what does clean energy entail?
1: Clean energy is of course an interesting word To start with so there are different uh, i would say words there's the Mm -hmm. sustainable energy there's renewable energy there are different phrases clean energy i guess is one of them personally i prefer explaining a little bit the word renewable energy because that entails that we are using energies that are readily available on earth and will replenish themselves such that um, we don't actually take away from the earth but we're using something that um, we will get afterwards again such as for example sunlight yeah mm-hmm. we, we're not using up the sunlight because uh, the only way we are normally stirring it is actually in the form of plants and we're not changing that by um, adding solar panels And um, so that's what basically is meant by renewable energies. Um, If you now put in the word clean, of course, we also add another layer, which means that while we're using this renewable energy, we also want to make sure that we're not also making something bad at the same time and maybe making... Uh, polluting um, Mm -hmm. at the same time, right? And there it becomes a little bit more subtle. And that is, I think, something um, from what I understood that your own work is also focusing on a little bit is to make sure that we, at the same time as we're using this renewable energy, also have it be a clean energy resource, meaning that during the production process, during the usage process, during the um, after, let's say, waste process, recycling process, Mm -hmm. and so forth, that, of course, all this actually doesn't do harm to our environment so that's how i would define that yeah. term
0: yeah so have a carbon neutral life cycle really or as uh, yeah industry engineers like to call it a supply chain i would not production. only
1: focus on the carbon i think there's mm. more than carbon and uh, there is also uh, environmental destruction that goes beyond Mm-hmm. I would say I mean, of course carbon is important, right that's it's incredibly important. it's our biggest issue yeah. probably that we've had as a ma- as a society as mankind. However, there are other environmental problems as well, such as chemical pollution, for example, in the areas where you would like manufacture mm-hmm. your your product. Um, and there are also other let's say, uh, problems that do not only concern then the environment itself, but maybe also the workers that are not being treated mm-hmm. in a fair mm-hmm. way. So I, th- I think all of this together is probably something that we could then phrase or, or yeah. name clean energy.
0: So it's multidisciplinary issue uh, for sure. Yeah, yes. we really like to use the the word multidisciplinary here at the university as well, and that's that's part of um, yeah our DNA, just as challenge based learning, for example um so yeah okay i try to or i i soon see the challenges that it's really being faced there like you mentioned all the pollutants so um but what are the challenges when creating renewable energy sources we know what is currently the challenges of maybe turning this over but uh, what are the challenges that for example you see and you're trying to find solutions for
1: yeah, so when creating renewable energy sources, of course, we are also not just getting the sunlight, the wind energy whatsoever just out of the air, right? Mm-hmm. We have to make wind turbines, we have to make solar panels, mm-hmm. um, and all of this is also being manufactured with normal manufacturing methods and therefore also has to undergo similar yeah, issues as maybe other manufacturing plants. And um, the thing is, and, and that's maybe now where my own research ties in, mm-hmm. is that the more efficient we now make such panels and these processes, the less we actually have to uh, do these um, processes and then the, the less panels, for example, we might need. So my personal research is actually not so much focused on now making sure that a solar power plant in China runs as clean as possible in order to not have any cause any health issues for the employees there that's not my personal research at all i'm a physicist i'm doing material science optics physics mm-hmm. nanotechnology these things right so it, like really just very very uh, technical and natural sciences however what you can do as a natural scientist is to make sure that out of a solar panel that is being manufactured that you and, and my personal interest now is to get as much energy out per solar panel as possible. And other researchers might wanna do that in by like, for example, using different materials, maybe also materials that are um, less expensive, Mm -hmm. less um, have have like, let's say better carbon footprint, better environmental footprint in their production. Um, But my focus is really to make sure that we get more energy out by employing, let's say, different types of physics, nanotechnology, optics, and so forth concepts.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it's exciting to hear nanotechnology as being one of the building blocks in, uh, in ensuring that um, you create more efficient soil panels. So um, I would be also curious about how does nanotechnology, nanotechnology uh, relate to your research and how do you apply it, for example?
1: So we have uh, different examples of where that comes in. Maybe I'll start with the one that might come up later also because that uh, technology is related to what uh, our startup was originally founded on, mm-hmm. which is a technology where we make front contacts for solar cells. So solar cell is an optoelectronic device, light comes in, electrons go out, uh, very simplified. And in order to get the electrons, so the charge carriers out of the solar cell, you need electric contacts However, electric contacts are normally made out of, for example, silver or some other conductive material. And if you are, are a little bit familiar with these types of materials, you can see that, well, they don't let light pass through. In fact, they're normally reflecting light. And that is a problem for the solar cell. Because if you now want to put the contact on top, it will actually reflect the light away back to the sun mm-hmm. and not, yeah, it, and the solar cell will be shaded. And so now we came up with a way to now change the architecture of these contacts that we have on the solar cell. So normally you can see on most solar cells, you can see these like lines, silver, silverish lines. Maybe you've seen this on solar panels on your rooftop, maybe, or someone else's rooftop. And the these lines reflect light um, back. But if you now change the shape of the lines to have a triangular cross section, what you create is a situation where light is actually reflected off the faces of the triangle and then redirect it towards, like downwards towards the f- solar panel instead of reflected back up to the sun. And by doing so, we can now yeah, reuse all of that light that would normally be reflected
0: mm-hmm. and
1: that can give quite a good boost to the efficiency of the solar cell. And But now comes the trick. So this is kind of all still explaining how that works and it's fairly simple to understand. But now in order to make these triangular cross-section contacts that have a fairly nice shape and also um, are quite small. They're like um, reasons for why we actually want to make them quite small, uh, which mm-hmm, go a little mm-hmm. bit beyond now in this uh, podcast setting. But in any case, in order to, to make them, we need to employ different nanotechnological nanotechnolo- te- techniques. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, there was no such technique really available when I started working on this idea. That was in 2015 or so. And then we invented one technique and wow. founded a startup on this idea. Okay. And now in my research group, we actually invented another idea um, to kind of realize something similar mm-hmm. and also working on this. And where does nanotechnology come in now is really in the types of process uh, processing that we use, mm-hmm. but also in the types of um, materials that we use. So for example, we very often employ so-called nanoparticle inks. So we have something like a substance mm-hmm. that you can imagine to be a little bit like nail polish, only that, yeah, it's a little bit more sophisticated than nail polish because it can actually give you certain electric and uh, and um, optical properties. And you have these very small nanoparticles in there which are in the size of 20 to 50 nanometers normally for the yeah. audience who is not super into the nano world maybe to just give you a comparison a hair has a diameter of approximately 50 micrometers also depends on the person and the hair and so forth 50 micrometers so now 50 nanometers is 1000 times smaller so the particles wow. that we're working yeah. with there have that type of size mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. necessary in order to get the optical properties that we desire so that's just an ex- as an example
0: yeah yeah wow okay uh yeah I'm I'm still shocked there that you invented all this <laughs> because now now in my mind it, it's clear why you are, you are sometimes referred as an innovator entrepreneur <laughs> but uh, can you can you please also explain it like what from your perspective what is that what is an innovator entrepreneur
1: Good question you're asking me all these definitions today here <laughs> so I think uh, what is meant by that is of course you can Let's say you can do research in order to discover a new phenomena, mm-hmm. and you can do research in order to invent something that can then enable something new. And I would say that is then an innovator because it does enable people then afterwards to kind of take that and make new stuff with that. And yeah. um, maybe it can a little bit can be, let's say, phrased or made be clear a little bit more concrete by saying okay people who have for example filed patents and are mm-hmm. inventors as an in official inventors on a patent should probably be named innovators because they invented something that had yeah that didn't exist yeah. before yeah and so i guess that's probably one way to kind of more define yeah. it more um yeah
0: yeah so you you invent something and then you build a company on it so you're also an entrepreneur but you keep innovating and you keep that side hustle beside as well.
1: Right, but I would would say these are different steps, right? You can be an innovator without being an entrepreneur because you can invent things without then actually starting your own company. But then on top of that, you can also be an entrepreneur, but you can be an entrepreneur without being an innovator because you can use someone else's idea and bring it to the market. And I think all of these are very important things to do.
0: Yeah, though you decided you want to do both.
1: Actually, I didn't decide that. I only wanted to stay at the. I only wanted to be a scientist and an innovator. The uh-huh. whole entrepreneur thing. My co-founder totally like just dragged me into just that. Drag, yeah.
0: <laughs> Interesting, and uh, that's how ETC Solar was created. Correct. And uh, what does it currently do now?
1: Well, I should give some disclaimers here. I'm no longer involved. Um, mm-hmm. I stopped being involved roughly two years ago. Mm-hmm. The company is now operating under a different name, MesoLine and I'm not allowed to talk about what exactly the company is doing, but it's pretty cool. And you can go on the webpage misalign.com and see what they're doing.
0: Nice, cool. Go and check it out, (laughs) go and check it out. So, but yeah, then uh, let's talk about something that is also very valuable now, perhaps to entrepreneurs. What uh, did you, what lessons did you learn along the way or why you were uh, an entrepreneur as well?
1: There's so many, probably after a year back I will be like, no, this was not the best thing to tell. <laughs> I think one lesson to learn that I learned was, mm-hmm. I, I was actually very worried about this whole I, and whole process. I never wanted to be an entrepreneur before. I never thought I would want to have my own startup or anything like that, because I just thought, okay, I'm not a business person. I don't know how this works. And I um, think one of the lessons is probably, to not be too worried and just try to learn how things work and understand that it's not rocket science. Other people have done it. It's possible, but of course, it's not easy. Um, Also understanding that it takes a significant amount of time and it's really something that you really need to want in -hmm. order to make it happen. For me, yeah, it was a good time in my life to do this because I had like nothing else going on (laughs) apart from work and Mm -hmm. I just moved here and it was okay. Um, Things like that. I think if, if I think about what to tell people who would want to start their business, that's normally the what what I would give them to not underestimate the time commitment that it takes.
0: Yeah, yeah I think it, this is definitely interesting also to just talk in terms of uh, the UT ecosystem because we have so many researchers, so many patents and maybe some of them just, yeah, feel the same as you felt back then like okay this is something not for me Mm -hmm. maybe i shouldn't even try it Mm -hmm. but yeah you are the perfect example it can be done uh, even if you have the first thought like okay maybe this is not for me
1: yes although and there comes maybe the other thing i wouldn't have done it by myself right i had Mm. a perfect team to do this with and in particular, I had one co-founder who was really pushing for doing this. So I was not actually stemming the whole business yeah. part of, of the of the startup, yeah. but that was actually my co-founder Thomas Russell, um, who's actually still involved in the in the startup. And I was the technical person, and of course I was like heavily involved also in the fundraising and in of course marketing and building connections and all that mm-hmm. but let's say there was a very strong team really yeah. pushing this and i think that's the other thing is you really need a team member who is uh, co- committing as much and as committed as you are otherwise this is i think pretty tough thing to do
0: yeah you were the right person at the right time and you right. had the right team right and that's that's i see how that's very important but um along the way in 2020 mit Massachusetts Institute of Technology from the U.S. decided that you should be selected mm-hmm. as Women Innovators Under 35 for this award.
1: That was not for women. That's the MIT Tech Review Under 35. Under yeah. 35. Not yeah. only for women, for, not only all, for, gender. Women. Yeah. for all
0: gender. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. But they, mm. they selected you. Yes. Why so?
1: So I see... I would probably say something wrong now. I would have to read the exact description now from the webpage Mm -hmm. of exactly why they selected me. But it was for this manufacturing method that I co-invented. So this way of making these very thin microscale triangular Mm -hmm. cross-section lines. And actually for the first method that I invented that is now owned by Mesoline.
0: Nice. Yeah. So, yeah, they, they really just acknowledge your work and uh, yes, innovation.
1: And indeed, like on, on one hand, the innovative aspect and on the mm-hmm. other hand, also the potential that it might create for technology. At that point, still for solar cells, it will probably be for something yeah. else, but mm-hmm. I think it will enable quite yeah. some breakthrough for different technologies um this manufacturing method
0: yeah i think this is definitely something that we should all be proud of now studying at the university because you are amongst us and uh yeah that's also the perfect moment to ask you what motivated you to come to the ut and to teach now as a professor
1: yeah so i was looking around for professor positions Mm -hmm. at that time and um sent out like as all of us do kind of like 20 applications and that was not even my main focus because my advisor at that time was like, yeah, you, you should apply next year. You have so many things <laughs> going on here right now. Just finish all of this up and then apply next year and we'll be fine. But then, yeah, I applied and I uh, got invited and I got an offer. And originally I was just like, yeah, I, I looked around in Europe and in the US and I saw this coming by and it was kind of something that I did in at the side. Yeah, okay, let me just send my standard application to 20 to see what happens. And they invited me and I came here. And I thought, yeah, hey, it's a great way to practice this whole interview situation, which is very challenging. For mm-hmm. if you want to become a professor, it's a very thorough process and very intense interviewing and selection process. So I thought, yeah, it's a great practice. I'll come here, but I didn't really take it seriously that I would really end up end up here. I thought it's yeah. kind of more like a practice run. And then I came here and I was like, actually, this is pretty cool. There's a like I I really like the campus here. I thought it's it's pretty. I um, really, I was impressed by all the f- laboratory facilities, mm-hmm. by the giant clean room, which is really enormous compared to all that I had seen before. And so, and everyone seemed very nice and it seemed like a nice community. So that's why I thought, yeah, maybe maybe that's a good next step. And wow. so, yes, so I moved here
0: yeah. and- Except the weather. The weather,
1: <laughs> the weather, the weather. The weather. I, I like in January, I regret it so hard.
0: <laughs> yeah, but you're still here, so yeah, the, the motivation was great enough and that's that's really great to hear. But yeah, I think beside that you also had a passion which you are right now very much exercising and that's mentorship and being with students. Tell that, us about that.
1: That's correct. No, I think that is one of the most rewarding aspects of my work, which is also really the reason why I wanted to be a professor and why I really mm-hmm. wanted to be at the university, because Of course research and technology development and all that you can do that also in a corporate environment but this whole mentorship and really working with people to also grow and develop and learn in the process is something unique to university at least let's say at our level Um, of course you could be a teacher right but this whole the combination of doing high-end science and technology and at the same time also teaching and mentoring and developing and working together with. People who are younger or younger doesn't even have to be younger but people who are let's say early in career that um is an aspect that you only find in university i find that very rewarding Mm -hmm. and i must also always say that or i always say that i you never know as a researcher whether your invention will be the breakthrough of the future Mm -hmm. but what you can know for sure is that if you do a good job with your teaching and mentoring that you will have an impact in society So I know if I do a good job helping my mentees to make their next step in life or in their career, then yeah, I think I did something good for society. And I think that's worth a lot. And I think that's the only guaranteed impact that I can have with my my work. Everything else is quite a lot of luck also.
0: Yeah, yeah, just like entrepreneurship or innovation. Indeed. But yeah, this way you multiply your luck.
1: <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, that's that's the other thing. I then you know I have like mentees that become teachers or that mm. become entrepreneurs or that become that go to a company that do this. Like they they do all the cool yeah. stuff. And if they take a little bit from what I think is the right thing to do with them, then hey, I'm just spreading it all out. Life achieved. <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What, what do you think your students will actually say about you?
1: oh my gosh that is such a difficult question yeah so i hope that i i hope that well <laughs>
0: take a moment <laughs>
1: no I'm, I'm wondering i think many of them will say that i can be quite tough on them mm-hmm. i hope that all of them understand that i'm not doing this to mess with them or to be mean but that i actually care for them i, th- I hope that that's what they would say that i care for their careers Yes, that that's what I would hope.
0: Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see <laughs> well, from the feedback. Are, but are yeah. you going
1: to are you going to interview them afterwards?
0: Well, <laughs> you will know about it for okay, sure. All right. <laughs> okay, so yeah, it's it's very clear for me why you're not in a corporation right now, and you gave the perfect example. Really, just just working with students is what fulfills you, and uh, and it's great to to hear such a story. So. Yeah, this question you might fi- you might find funny because, yeah, you cannot really measure this, but how aware are you of your impact? It can be through the technology, through society, through the students.
1: Yeah, this whole how aware am I? Because I could now either be completely overestimating or underestimating my impact. I would say I'm somewhat aware, aware of a certain impact that I have, mm-hmm. which I see either from feedback at conferences for example feedback from students maybe seeing how my startup which i co-founded mm-hmm. is developing things like that i think i am aware that i have a certain impact but i'm i don't think i have the character to be like woo <laughs> <I can't,
0: laughs> that's not what you know? you ke- keeps up at keeps you up at night or no, wakes I, up you in the morning you no, just know i mean like, yeah
1: no that i must it is a little bit like what motivates, of course, my impact yeah. and also having recognition for this is something that is very important. I think it's very important that you get recognized and that mm-hmm. you feel like you're doing the right thing. And um, of course, uh, getting feedback about impact and so forth, That that is, of course, important. But I would say it's, I, I couldn't say, oh, I'm, Yeah, it, it's a hard question for me to answer let's say like this i I hope i gave a little bit of an answer
0: yeah because for universities you can always measure the impact or like the sustainable impact they make or the societal impact
1: i find it also very difficult to be honest with you also for a university there are all these different metrics Mm
0: -hmm. but
1: what do they actually mean right how how important is it how how often the papers are cited or is it maybe more important that you have that you you know educate a really strong student base mm-hmm. who is then going into the workforce and doing really good work right yeah what and and that is not always or that's incredibly difficult to quantify you can of course then again put a number again on the students but is anyone following up with what they do with their careers is anyone following up how they then you know use that knowledge and Correct. in their later life how well they do in the companies what, other impact they create nobody does that so i think that's extremely difficult to quantify the impact also of an organization
0: yeah we should probably um suggest that then
1: (laughs) it just it's gonna make people's life more complicated (laughs) definitely
0: so one last difficult question and that's gonna be it i promise (laughs) what do you want to leave as your legacy
1: That is the difficult, most difficult question. So I've always hoped to leave something as my legacy where I'm in, I wouldn't say either inventing or discovering a Mm -hmm. piece of new technology or physics, which can then make an impact on society. I think that is something that has always been my dream, which I'm hoping to leave as my legacy. So that could either be a new technology that really then makes it into, let's say the market, but in a way where I really developed it from the beginning, where, where it was really my idea, and like their yeah. fundamental either nanotechnology or physics mm-hmm, concept mm-hmm. that I, I developed. That is, from a technological perspective, that's really my uh, what I would want to leave as a legacy. And I'm not sure if you're also asking about more like societal things, or... Um, you, you define yeah, it. I <laughs> define it. Okay, I define it. No, then that's uh, I guess, then... The, Let's say from I, I guess I should talk here from a, from the innovator perspective, and I think that is what I would want to leave. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You can still tell me what should be the takeaway message for the for the public listening on um, each of the sides on either the technology or the society, and uh, what could be the future of clean energy.
1: Yes. So one message I would like people to take away is that when we think about new technologies that we should think about how they will fit in our future society and not in our current society and in particular not in our into our past society. So when we invent something new we shouldn't think, oh, how can we implement this right now because there isn't such infrastructure. I mean, one very obvious example to be a little bit less abstract here would be electric cars. I am very much an opponent of thinking just because there might not be enough charging infrastructure or whatsoever there are of course a lot of different other points of critique maybe as well but we shouldn't think about how the situation is right now but where we are moving towards and accordingly we should innovate for for these future scenarios Mm -hmm. and not for the status quo
0: okay yeah go with that go with that (laughs) (laughs) she said it she said it um all right well that's gonna be it for today Thank you very much for listening to the podcast. And thank you very much, Rebecca, for being here. It was a pleasure talking to you.
1: Thanks so much for inviting me.